0: Welcome friends, on this podcast we talk about a lot of things, mostly prayer, but also spiritual warfare, parenting adult kids, and what it's like to be a woman of God living in an increasingly post-Christian world. This is the place where I share interviews with people whose lives have greatly influenced mine, and I'm going to be bringing some great people on the podcast in the next few weeks. But today, I'm talking a bit more about deconstruction. More specifically, about what causes people to enter into the journey of deconstruction and how knowing this might impact the way we interact with them. We want more than anything for the people we love to be like Timothy when Paul said this about him. Continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. That's 2 Timothy 3.14. We want our people to continue in what they learned, but not merely going through the motions, but to actually become convinced of their faith. Isn't that what happens when we experience God in the hard places and dark spaces of our lives? The longer I live, the more I'm understanding that there really is fellowship in the suffering of Christ because the suffering brings the conviction that holds me steady in the storms. I spent some time on the lake this past weekend and was reminded that every boat creates a wake. Inside the wake, the boat itself kind of parts the waters, or at least it settles them down. As a skier or a wakeboarder or surfer, you learn to stay in the wake of your boat until you're ready to venture out. Deconstruction is like that boat. It cuts through the sometimes choppy waters of Christian faith and practice, leaving a wake on which our loved ones surf. In this episode, I'm going to share what's behind the deconstruction movement and how we might best navigate the wake of their journey. So what is behind the deconstruction movement? First, let me remind you of what I'm talking about when I use the term deconstruction. I haven't yet found my own definition, so I'm still borrowing from the great definitions others have offered. And this one comes from a guy I found online this week, Mark Hackett. Please forgive me for calling him a guy. He might be white-haired and scholarly and accustomed to being called professor or doctor. But to me, he writes like a guy I can understand and follow. The title of his article is Christians Need a Healthier Approach to Deconstruction. Here's how he explains deconstruction. Faith deconstruction is the systematic pulling apart of one's belief system for examination. For Christians, that can mean a wide array of questions ranging from the theological to the practical. It can mean questioning the supposed inerrancy of the Bible, the culture and traditions of their church, the practical application or misapplication of the gospel, and much more. Faith deconstruction can begin at many different points for many different reasons. If this sounds like a fun intellectual exercise, it definitely is not. Deconstruction is confronting hard questions and grievous experiences that a believer has suppressed for years, forcing them to finally deal with the doubts and concerns that have always been there lurking in the shadows. And that ends the quote. When he said that about deconstruction being a grievous experience, I got the picture in my mind of two different ways you can approach an old house. I love old houses. I don't know why. I haven't taken the time to analyze the feelings I have attached to them. And without analyzing, let's just say that they always have character and I can almost hear the stories of life, the years of life that echo in their walls. Well, there are two different ways you can approach an old house if you want to create something wonderful. You can enlist a demolition crew and tear out everything in it. If you do this, you don't worry about trying to save any part of the house. Or you can determine to preserve what has stood the test of time and carefully take the house apart piece by piece placing every single piece in meticulous order so that you can examine it, reevaluate it, and then determine whether or not to put it back into the house. Deconstruction is doing that. Now, some people start out deconstructing and then they realize they can't find anything worth saving, so they simply trash it all and complete the task with demolition, landing themselves in what we might call deconversion. But others start the deconstruction process, and then they discover it's going to take a very long time. Nevertheless, they stay at it, taking breaks here and there, and then they get back to it. So I've been asking this question, what starts a person on this path? Maybe they like old houses, maybe they don't. Maybe they lived in a home where both parents lived the Christian faith and taught them to love Jesus before they ever knew how to even tie their shoes. And they have to move from a faith they learned because their parents taught them to a faith that they themselves believe. Let me grab a quote from another article I read titled, How Do Children Make Their Faith Their Own? Paul reminded Timothy, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. 2 Timothy 3.14. From this passage, we can deduce that the young Timothy seemed to have a time when he was learning of the faith. Later, Timothy seemed to have a time when he became convinced of the faith. This verse suggests there might have been a time of questioning during which Timothy's faith became an adult faith. He had grown up in a believing home immersed in the scriptures and learning the faith yet he still had to become convinced of it. That twofold pattern aptly describes my own experience as well as that of numerous second-generation Christians with whom I've talked. As children, we made sincere professions of faith at a young age. However, there was a second significant time in our lives when our faith moved from being our parents to becoming our own. Sometime in our teen or college years, we began asking ourselves, do I really believe this? Is this really true? Am I going to follow the Lord on my own or am I going to reject Christianity? If we came out on the other side of that time persuaded, we had moved from belief to conviction. We were not following because we had to. We were following because we were convinced. And that's the end of the quote. It's good, huh? You've heard it said there are no grandchildren in heaven and there aren't. There are only first-generation Christians because every single person decides for themselves what they will do with Jesus. The writer in that article went on to say that the learning stage is over when your children grow up and that the young adult years give you the opportunity to see if the convincing stage has yet happened. Deconstruction begins when people begin to ask questions regarding their belief. But what spurs the questions? In my research, I've discovered that I could talk all day about the various things that might initiate deconstruction in a person's life. But there are four big things. One, church or personal hurt. Somewhere along the way, the faith of the person deconstructing, deconstructing, their own faith took a hit god let them down he he there was too much conflict between what they believed about god and what they were experiencing from god or from their point of view as an adult they've taken a different view of the church they grew up in and find disturbing things that were hidden to them in their childlike faith so number one is church or personal hurt number two is church history there's some pretty bad stuff in our religious closet, and our history closet, and this generation is cleaning out the closets. The third thing is evangelical nationalism, especially during the previous presidential election. This is a big one and one that I'd like to get a handle on before the next presidential election. The fourth thing Is biblical teaching versus the lifestyle they want to live or the cultural norms, especially as related to biblical sexual ethics? So, these being the four big issues that create the impetus for the questioning beliefs. I'm going to take each one of these and host a podcast guest to help me unpack it. Truth be known, Our deconstructing loved ones present some interesting challenges to us. We would do well to receive these and address them the best we can while continuing to stand firm in our own faith and in our relationships with them. Just in case you're wondering, this isn't the best time to witness to your loved one. (laughs) Most likely they know very well what you believe and hearing you tell them over and over again will not contribute to their journey. It might cause your relationship with them to suffer, and that's not what you want. Instead, remember, God's got this. You know, we wear the bracelets, we give them out at our prayer clinics, and you can buy your bracelets online. Okay, I'll add a link to that to the show notes as well. But remember that God's got this. So I'm going to give you three, four things that we can do. One is pray. But don't pray assuming you know better than they do what God's future holds. Pray for them to experience wholeness and peace. Know that the God who holds you together when you're going through hard time is the same God who knows best how to hold them together as well. And trust God with the way he chooses to answer your prayers. Secondly, bear fruit. Be so filled with the Spirit that you bear fruit all over your life, which will, in, um, inadvertently, be fruit that's that's born, bared. I don't know if we bared fruit or born it. I'm not sure, but anyway, fruit will just fall all over them. And remember that the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a throwback from GA camp years gone by. But that is the fruit of the Spirit. So as the Spirit of God to express Himself in and through your life as you focus your emotional energy on clinging to Him so that you can bear much fruit rather than clinging to them so that you can be anxious and worried. Thirdly, be steadfast. The word for steadfast in Hebrew is kased, and it refers to God's devout loving kindness, his mercy, and his faithfulness, which are at the very core of his character and actions. God is steadfast. Therefore, his love is steadfast and unwavering, faithful, and kind. Be the same way in your relationship with the person you love who is deconstructing their faith. And for this last thing that we can do, I'm going to quote another great article I found online, and might I say ouch to this quote, (laughs) for I needed it most likely more than you do. The article is titled, How to Respond to Faith Deconstruction, And the author wrote that she chose to use female pronouns in her article because her website is primarily geared toward women. So it comes from a website called The Glorious Table, and the title of the article is, like I said, How to Respond to Faith Deconstruction. And here it is. Honor her by respecting her journey. No one's faith journey is the same. Just as we all have unique DNA, we all have our own green valleys, our own wildernesses. The journey is largely personal even intimate its foundation is a relationship between the individual and god not between the individual and other people or even the individual and the church god sees each of us as unique and precious none of us are created better or superior in his sight and our faith journeys are likewise equally precious and equally valuable Jesus tells us not to hinder one another from seeking him, and this seeking looks different for everyone. We should not be so prideful as to think there is one narrow path to Christ. Even if you feel inclined to be concerned or afraid for your friend and the outcome of her deconstruction process, honor her by respecting that process which is hers and hers alone. Only she knows the ins and outs of her intimate relationship with God, you can be a source of support and encouragement, but you can't try to prevent her from walking out her path. Isn't that good, my friends? Deconstruction of faith doesn't always end in deconversion. Deconversion of faith is not always permanent. As long as we are in the land of the living, as long as we're in the land of the living, there is hope. What deconstruction does do? is clean out the clutter of confusion, resistance, wickedness, and evil. Deconstruction might cause the church to re-examine how we do things, letting go of what shouldn't be happening and taking hold of what should. As we continue learning more about deconstruction and how we might best love the people deconstructing their faith, let's let God do something wonderful in us. Don't forget that every faith challenge brings with it an opportunity to experience God in new and different ways. We might right now be teetering on this side of his exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think to ask or imagine. And he's just waiting on us to let go of the worry so he can tip us over. My friends, let's trust him more so that we can get there. I hope these episodes on deconstruction are helping you. Remember that I'm recording them in preparation for the conference I'm doing for Lifeways Forum in November. I'm linking the Women's Leadership Forum to our show notes today, along with the links to all the articles that I quoted from during this podcast. You may not know anyone deconstructing their faith. If that's the case, praise God. And ask him to send you someone. You might be just the person that person's mama is praying for. Seriously, share this episode with anyone you know who might benefit from it. Let's love people well as we bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus during these interesting times. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Leanne McCoy podcast. I'll be here again next week to chat with you some more.